is April 13, 2022. Back at the round table. We're sort of like the Knights of the Round Table. I'm thinking Monty Python. <laughs> yes. Knights of the Round Table. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, great stuff. I think that was uh, the Holy Grail. But anyway. Um, Let me face the peril. <laughs> I'll have your arm. Um <laughs> Anyway, we got Norm here back at the round table. I, I, was, I, I just skipped last week. You know, this job just keeps getting in the way of this fun. Um, maybe one day we'll get to a situation where this is the job, but then it might not be fun. I don't know. Uh, anyway, we got uh, Norm back at the round table. We got Brett from Circle 270 Media, and uh, it is April 13, as I said. So there's lots going on in the world, or at least it seems that way. Every time I turn around, there's some abhorrent news story I hear that that I know Norm is like rolling over, <laughs> jotting notes, down. jotting notes down, like ready researching to, ready it to, to pounce. I'm a very angry man, very angry, <laughs> the angry young man. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, so. Without further ado, Norm, I got a couple things I want to kick around. Yeah. But uh, what you got on your list there? Oh, dude, I have so much. Uh, everything from Palm Springs, California. Uh, piloting a guaranteed income program for transgender residents. I saw that. I mean, wow, I, uh, unbelievable. Look, at some point. I mean, it's unbelievable. It, you know, it's still. This is what I, I used to say this long ago when we still had our um, uh, when, when we when we had the old crew here. It was like, you know, United States has never been a place where you need walls to keep people in. But I think we're sort of getting to the point where we may need walls to keep people in. You know, it's like it, it is uh, like you, you'd want to flee or, or do an exchange yeah. program with uh, Guatemala or Venezuela. You know, the, those folks that want to come to the United States, I, I'm, I'm willing to export one for one some <laughs> Some of our citizens, you know, in, a, in an exchange program. Yeah, if you want I mean, this, if it's so horrible well, here. Especially, I mean, if it's this is so oppressive yeah. and so racist well, of not, a country. Right. I mean, Not please, even that. If go. you want what you're doing, well, guess what? There's places that have it. They're all poor and starving to death, but there's places that have it. Sure. Right. Um, you know, they have go. guaranteed income in Cuba. Sure, and it's zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, or, or you get a dollar, and it's worth like 10 cents. I mean, but, we got Ketanji Brown-Jackson on the court. We have a mass shooting in the New York subway yeah. system. Um, FEC finds Hillary Clinton over her falsifi falsified filings relating to uh, the payments for the Steele dossier. Uh, we have uh, Disney expanding into at least 10 anti-gay uh, countries while leading this jihad against parents that don't want their kindergartners to be groomed, uh, you know, for somebody else's sexual uh, agenda. All right. uh, we've got uh, Russia. Uh, telling their astronauts in the International Space Station that they're not allowed to talk to the U.S. personnel on board. Can you imagine that? I mean, like, wow! You gotta be I need kidding. to use the bathroom. <laughs> we got the Ohio yeah. Ohio Court of Appeals upheld a verdict of thirty-one million dollars against Oberlin College yeah, for defamation for the bakery. Elon Musk is absolutely dropping bombs at Twitter. I mean, there is a lot going on. All right. Well, let's start with, uh, boy, where do we go? Let's, let's go back to California for a second, because I think there was, like, they passed this law that says if you're a company that has over 500 employees, you have to pay a certain, oh, no, you, this is the one I wanted to talk to you about. Mm, yeah. It's not, it's not that you have to pay a certain income. They have reduced the, they want to reduce the work week 
to 32 hours, four days a week, because people are, quote, uh, they don't want to go back for 40 hours after the pandemic. Mm. They, they, they got used to working or not working, I guess. Yeah. So, like, play this one out. I just want to, I want to just play economist for a second. So if, if, I have a, if I have a company that has over 500 employees and I am now mandated by the government to have a 32-hour work week, what that really means is that anybody who works over 32 hours gets overtime, time and a half. So whenever, whenever this kind of stuff happens, you know, the dike is going to start bleeding somewhere or uh, leaking somewhere else. You can only plug so many holes. So what is the company going to do? Well, they're going to... They're, they're going, going to, to leave California. Well, ultimately, they leave California. But in the short term, you're going to hire a bunch of part-time employees. Well, you right. know, they change their contracts with their employers and right. employees and basically be independent contractors. Yeah. And, and then they skirt health insurance. Yeah. Which then, is actually a benefit then you for don't, them. Right. Then you don't get health insurance. Exactly. So you're going to hire a bunch of part-timers because you can't afford... You, first of all, let's presume that you need workers for 40 hours. And what's going to happen is you're not going to pay people more. You're going to pay people less or you're going to pay fewer people. So you're, you're going to get part-timers. Uh, you're going to have all sorts of ways that uh, these companies skirt around this because they can't afford it. And people are going to say, well, they're greedy bastards, whatever. It's like, no, they have a bottom line. They, right. they're, they're, you know, they, they have a certain amount of money they make and it's, it's premised upon, uh, a well, certain amount of cost, yeah. and the yeah. government has artificially altered this now. So yeah. it's in, you know. So I, I've had this debate with folks right here in the studio, and they're like, "Well, these greedy people—they should just pay more." They told me that they said, "Well, you should just pay more then, or pay yourself less," is what they said. And I looked at, and this was right in the midst of the shutdown. I said, "Well, how? Like less than what? Well, less than what you normally make." And I said, "Well, right now it's zero, man." And it was—it got that quiet. Yeah, I was like, "Look, it, it shut down. I'm not making any money." So I can't pay my I can't pay myself any less than zero, and uh, they're like, oh, well, well, take it take it from the reserves that you've saved sure. over the last few well, years. You should have saved. That's what they say. You should have saved all that all that greedy money, you uh-huh. money grub and Scrooge, right. and that you were using to and to go buy all these fancy things. But <laughs> you know, it's like people have this perception that these big companies just have infinite supplies of money, and and their cost structure is is way out of whack. That's not true. You know, people are entitled to make a profit and, you know, they've taken risk. They've built their company. They've got a business. They've got shareholders to answer to. Sure. They can't just. Well, this sounds like the hearings that Congress just had with the oil industry. Yeah. I mean, they, those were absurd hearings. It, it, you had these mainly female lawmakers. I hate to say it, but I mean, that's who said these things. And, and if you're going to look at it demographically about which groups are, seem to be really confused about, um, our marketplace system, our capital system, the people asking the questions in Congress of these uh, of these uh, oil uh, executives really betrayed their either their their misunderstanding or their intentional, um, you know, the, the, the intentionally being daffy. Yeah, because the questions were along the lines of of greed and what they there's always a flip side to somebody who accuses somebody of greed and that is they're greedy you know in other words if you're accusing somebody of being greedy it's only because you want more of what they have yeah and and you have some sort of argument uh that makes sense internally in your head for why you deserve a chunk of somebody else's money which, you know, like Tom Sowell would say is, um, you know, theft at the point of a gun. 
Sure. You know, so so they ask the oil companies, well, why do you have profits, you know, in a down market? And it's, you know, it's like, well, I'm in a futures uh, industry. Yeah. You know, I'm doing things. I'm reaping profits today for decisions we made two, three years ago. Sometimes right. longer, right? Yeah. Sometimes even longer. And and they we don't, don't know that. if we're going to make a profit because there's a world oil market goes up and down, and we're not in control of that. And imagine if it were the other way around. If it were that they invested in some futures and they got burned. Yeah. Do you think anybody in Congress would give one rat's ass to yeah. help them fix that problem? Yeah. No, of course not. Well, right. you should have known better. So it's like they they want right. this is my favorite argument in front of a jury just to bring it back to lawyer talk for a, a bit second is that you can't have it both ways. No. You can never ha- you can't no. have it both ways. You don't yeah. get it this way and right. that way. You can't have the upside and not have the responsibility if you, if you for the downside. You accuse somebody of greed it's because you have envy and that means you're greedy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I see rich people, I'm friends with some rich people, I'm friends with a lot of poor people. I never look at somebody's means and make a judgment about their their worth, and it would would never call somebody who's wealthy greedy because they're wealthy. And don't you think it's none that, of my business how they got their money? And, and don't you think that there's this notion out there, like you've got these quote academics who have spent their whole lives studying and learning, and they think that they're the smartest people around or smart everybody. I think they feel. I think a lot of these people sort of whether they admit it or not, or maybe it's not even. Uh, conscious might be subconscious i feel like it's not fair yeah. like, i'm smart and i don't have all this money that this guy with a concrete company has and i'm smarter than that guy so somehow it's not fair the system isn't fair that he can get rich and i can't um and it's it's complete like you said it's complete envy that's what it is in disguise sure it is yeah. and well um, those folks in california that that are they're that laboring under you know an ever tightening regime of state requirements are just going to continue to leave. I mean, some of my suppliers, you know, my little parts business, I was talking to people back in the 80s that were packing up and moving their factories to places like Utah, Nevada, mm-hmm. uh, Arizona, anywhere but California. Sure. And and, and it, it, this is just ex- going to accelerate. I mean, Musk relocated Tesla well, in, yeah, to th- Texas. This is this is a Thomas Sowell quote. It's like, the and the politicians will never, ever take responsibility they're just going to say you didn't let us do enough yeah so the next move is going to be you're not allowed to leave or <laughs> the course. next move is going to be right well you're not allowed to so we have a 32-hour work week um you're not allowed to make anybody part-time and then there'll be another the employers are going to have to somehow work around that in order to maintain their business structure so they're going to do something else and the government will then come in and tweak that and say you're not allowed to do that either and then it'll go a different direction it'll be this cat and mouse game to the point where Mm. they just can't do it anymore and the cost becomes too great then they have to weigh that against the cost against just selling saying i'm either going to leave the state or sell out and just quit and that'll be that yeah and that's what's happened with a lot of companies so i wonder i think i saw like there's like 2600 or maybe 2900 uh, relevant companies meaning they have over 500 employees mm-hmm. and it's like boy you're really you're like taking your base and saying yeah we're going to make this really difficult on you and that's that you're going to leave yeah i i it's it's really sort of astounding to me it, it it reflects well everybody in this room understands this we all run businesses we all run businesses and we didn't learn how to do it overnight it, 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 still learning. You still, I'm learning every day. 
every, every day. day. Sure. Yeah. And you know, it's not easy. And I, just because I run my business, Brett, I doesn't mean I can run yours. Right. And Norm, I am nobody. One, nobody could run mine. I am a hundred percent confident <laughs> that I could not run yours. No, no. When I croak, they're going to bring in the D nine Caterpillar bulldozers, and they're just they're right. just going to make a landfill. So, how on earth is a guy like Gavin Newsom going to all just step in and say, "Yeah, I can fix Norm's business." Sure. And I'm going to make it so it's good for everybody. Right. And then, then they get into it and they realize they can't fix it. It's a total mess. They don't blame themselves because either their their tenure is up, they're going to yeah. get somebody else to take over and have to deal with the problem, or they'll blame you for being greedy, or they'll just say, well, the problem was I needed to do more and you people wouldn't let me do more. Well, mm. the, the, the real failure of politicians these days, especially at the local level, is the failure to do the basic job of government at, at their level. And you see that, you know, from everything uh, from Gavin Newsom's inability or his refusal to adequately maintain California's public lands, clearing underbrush, thinning trees mm-hmm. to prevent these fires that, that are just serially happening, uh, taking care of the homeless situation uh, so that people aren't beat up. I saw where in San Francisco, the owner of uh, the Kraken Distillery, of all things, which um, is in a tourist district, uh, is relocating his office because his employees were being assaulted at the entrance, at the the door to the company, out on the sidewalk. They had reported so many instances of being accosted or uh, assaulted that uh, he's relocating. And then, you know, the subway thing in New York City, are you kidding me? After 9-11, they don't have cameras working in the subway. So they don't they don't have any video other than people's handheld private citizens' phones of this perp that uh, hurt 30 people, shot 10 people. Well, let, I mean, let's talk about this because this is the, quote, gun violence that Biden was addressing. But my point, Steve, just, real, just to tie the bow, yeah. is that our local politicians, at whether it's New York City, San Francisco, here in Columbus— they're not doing the job of maintaining the infrastructure that they're supposed to maintain. Great point. Police, fire, Damn. roads. Great point. Yeah. They're not taking care of it. And yet they're telling, they're getting into other people's grills. They're, they're, they're you know, where they don't need to be. They're, they're going out into the private sector and telling them that they need to implement this or that or the other woke program or whatever it is, this wage and hours thing. And they can't do the easy stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, take care of your own take house. Take care yeah. of the basics. Yeah. Deliver clean water. Fix the damn roads, right? Yeah. You know, have a good police force. Have a good fire department. And enforce the law. And, and, and yeah. you know, support good schools. Duh. It seems it seems so basic, but you're right. This is a great point: is that they're they're screwing up the stuff that they're supposed to do, and at the same time, they're trying to take on more stuff that they can't. So maybe that to not divert our to. attention, frankly. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. So yeah. we've we've messed this up. It's your fault that we have all this crime because right. you gun people are causing the crime. Right. Right. When five years ago we didn't have all this crime, we had the same amount of guns. But no, that's not it. It's your fault because now it's guns. Um, yeah. And I'm bringing that up because it's my nice little segue to the executive orders that Biden is pushing out again right. on ghost guns. Oh, for God's sake. So what he's done now or what he's trying to do is, is sign an order that basically says any unstamped uh, receivers, or we'll just call them, gu- I'm not going to go into the details of it because it gets complex, but people can buy gun parts right now and assemble their own guns. 
right. They can, and they always okay. could. It's been and going they, on right. for a long They always could. Long, In fact, now with at-home 3D printer machines. They don't need to buy them. <laughs> right. You can just, you, exactly. can, you can make a plastic gun. I can push a button. You can do a metal. These CNC, these CNC oh, machines. Oh, sure. They have plasma mm. metal. Apps. Yeah. I mean. Now, it, those are not home generally. They're getting there. <laughs> they're getting yeah, there. They will. They're getting there. But so now it's this. Well, we have all this gun violence, right. and they're going to use that as a platform to leap off and push gun control. Instead of saying we have the increase of gun violence is a result of horrible government policy, it is because there are too many guns. It's the same argument they always make. They, they cause the problem and then want to use that problem to push a different agenda on a different level, and that is gun control. So at the outset, I hate executive orders. I freaking hate them. I yeah. can't use enough swear words to punctuate the point. Sure. I hate executive orders. Right. I don't care if it's Donald Trump's pen. I don't care if it's Obama's mm-hmm. pen, Biden's, Bush, or any president in the history. I hate executive well, orders. Well, they're legislating from their desk. Right. Exactly. It's That's not what they're doing. what our country is supposed to no, be. No, It's not deliberation by the people's representatives, then passed up to the executive for his signature or his veto. Right. That's how our system's supposed to work. How it's supposed to work. And people love executive orders on both sides when they go their way. You know, when Trump was saying no, uh, like banning certain uh, travel from certain countries, people on his side were saying, that's awesome. And then the other side was saying, no way. And then when Obama's signing executive orders, or when he finally realized he had to do his pen because he didn't have Congress, um, he starts saying the people. Well, on his Trump side, Trump signed an executive order with relate with uh, regards to guns. You may recall he he uh, he signed that executive order against that device that you could. Uh, yeah, the bump device. Yeah, yeah. The bump stocks. Exactly right. And yeah. a lot of and a lot of people, you know, a lot of conservative people are like Don. That's not how you do it. You can't do it. That's just wrong. Hey, look, you, maybe you want to do that. Maybe you don't want to do it. I mean, whatever. But I mean, go through the process of of rulemaking, which Congress set up. And I have problems with their rulemaking. But, um, you know, Congress deferring to life lifetime bureaucrats. Yeah, administrative agents. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. right. But yeah. at least there's an opportunity for people to there's a notice for rulemaking and then there's a comment period. So, you know. People can at least oppose it and go on the record and and make their arguments, but with an executive order, you're absolutely right, Steve. There's there's no process. It's just it's handed down by administrative fiat, like we have an emperor instead of a president. Mm-hmm. When I was in, what grade did we learn in Ohio about Ohio history? I think it was uh, eighth grade. Eighth, I, that's yeah. exactly where I was going. Eighth grade, wow. something like that. Yeah, I remember my eighth grade Ohio history team. I can't say we always got along. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> I, I do remember this this discussion. I think it was in that class where even back then it, it was very fundamental and elementary that if one person has the power to do it here, somebody else will have that same power to do it in a different place that you don't agree with. So it's it's the exercise of power that you have to be concerned about, not the outcome of the exercise of power. So right. um, if Norm has the power to ban guns, or Biden does, uh, then the next president is going to have the power to do something else using the same executive authority. And it's it's dangerous stuff. I hate it. It's a slope that has well, let, no end. Well, let's talk about ghost guns and, and, and the completely illogical thought process that led you know, Papa Joe to this insane decision. So, okay, a ghost gun. That's that's what they want to call this. 
So you get you get a receiver from this company and a barrel from that company and a trigger kit from this company or whatever. And by the time you put a ghost gun together, you will have spent more money. These guns end up costing more money to put it together yourself than just going down to a, a retail store and buying an AR or an AK. Sure. These are these are generally not junk guns. They're like custom made. And do they have a serial number on them? Some of the components do, some don't. But here's the point. If you're a criminal like this whack job that went on the subway system and shot a bunch of people, apparently for racial reasons, is according to his, uh, his YouTube um, videos, so the perpetrator, the suspect in, in that question, had a gun with a serial number. They traced it back to him, according to the news that I heard coming in here. What if he got out his $15 Harbor Freight angle grinder and before he went down to the subway station, just ground off that serial number, which is no big shakes. It's super, I mean, criminals have been doing this forever. They, they, if they right. don't want a gun to be traced... They just grind the number off. It takes all of 30 sure. seconds. Man. You're attacking the presumed or the proposed cause and effect analysis because it doesn't work. It's a non sequitur. It's a not. So the idea that a ghost gun won't have a serial number didn't emanate from a factory with a serial number that got handed to the ATF. A criminal who wants to do that with a gun that does have a serial number can take his Glock or his AK or whatever the hell he wants to buy and in 30 seconds obliterate the serial number that's on there. Right. So, it, so this whole thing makes no sense. It, it doesn't make sense. And this is my, the argument, one of, uh, there's a lot of arguments I hate the most. One is we always do it this way, so let's keep doing it. Another is, quote, we have to do something. So I, I hear this all the time. <laughs> or for the children. Right. I hear if it's it all the time. Or, or if it saves just one life. If it saves just one life, then we should do There's it. There's nothing that can save just one life because right. doing anything will have ob obviously an opposite effect There's hardly that's going to kill a bunch of people if you right. do try to save right. just There's one There's hardly life. ever one cause and one outcome. <laughs> it's almost always yeah. a, a, a multi-factor variable analysis. But... We, we just got to do something. This is what I hear. Well, we got to do something. Got to do something. So right. why don't we just um, outlaw all ghost guns, even though it won't fix any gun crime. Right. But we got to do something because what you're really saying is we know this isn't going to work, but we're going to do it anyway because yeah. it looks good at the, at the best case scenario. It looks good in some sort of virtue signal. At the worst case scenario, it's a plot. I'm going to call it a... It, it falls in line with the plan to disarm the country. Well, Steve... So you, you can see it analyzed both ways. You're yeah. the lawyer in the room, and you probably you know, keep track of um, trends, FBI trends and, and prosecutorial trends. My understanding is from, from reading a little bit about this is that when these mayors in New York City, like Eric Adams, who, by the way, was a transit cop, which is pretty interesting. So we have a transit mass shooting and his immediate reaction is, oh, no, 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 this isn't terrorism. Oh, dude, it looks like Timothy McVeigh level domestic terrorism to me. This, well, and it's, you know, but it's left wing terrorism. Yeah, right? but it's, so yeah. it's not terrorism. So anyway, what I don't understand is that you've got Chicago, L.A., you've got these big cities whining that 
that these guns are coming from southern states or they're coming from out of state and they're you know they're being trucked in and distributed to gangs and all this stuff because they don't sell them but but here's my my piece here's my here's my point when they do catch people who are illegally trafficking in guns the federal prosecutions of these gun crimes is almost nil it's it's like federal prosecutors consider this like not worth their time. So we have these we have these laws on the books. They're very picky and choosy about who they prosecute, but they they routinely do not enforce and this is what the NRA always says. They routinely do not enforce gun laws against the vast majority of people breaking these because well, I don't know it's, that that's it's, true. It's perceived somehow as um, selective prosecution against minorities or whatever. Well, that may be true. It may not be. I, I don't know. I guess I know this. In 08, when Obama was president, starting around 08, 09, I started to get calls on regulatory gun crimes. And by regulatory, I mean like the gun shop screwing up their, oh, their d- form two. Wait a minute. And, well, I'm not talking about FFL dealers. Well, I, I know, but hold yeah. on. Yeah. So, oh, they'll go after those people. So those kind of gun <laughs> crimes, the prosecution increased, and I'm seeing it again. I've gotten a couple sure. calls recently of that kind of stuff. Of course. Um, now, sure. I, but I won't say, I, I, I cannot, I have no experience or no basis to say that the federal government is passing on trafficking and illegal firearms because of race or some other. Well, there's uh, stats uh, on that. Yeah, there may be. I, I, there's I just, there's I been arrests know. and then they don't prosecute them. Yeah, and now what or they may plead happen it, is plead it down to nothing. But what may happen? But see, there again, I need this is where I need to know more because I never trust either side with this kind of information. I would want to know if the gun charge wasn't charged, but the trafficking and drug charge resulted in ten years. I would want to because that could easily be we that could be filtered out with a stat, and it would look like one thing, but it really there's another. Well, these municipalities have th- inevitably the toughest gun laws on the books, Fair and enough. they do not prosecute. They would end up prosecuting large numbers of so say certain color blo- males. So say it, this. It basically, you, you're talking about huge numbers that would then have to go to prison. Hmm. But say this. If they've charged them when they find them with a gun. Ohio has something called a firearm specification. So if I carry or use a firearm in the course of commission of a felony, it, they, it gets a separate specification on my indictment, meaning I've committed, say, robbery and I had a gun. Yeah. All right. So right. it's a, an armed robbery, you might say sure. in the vernacular. Right. The robbery in Ohio would carry up to 11 years in prison. And if you have a specification with a firearm, that's an extra three that you have to serve before you even start the 11. Hmm. I go to court and I negotiate the case. I'm trying to get it resolved. And maybe my client's already got some other stuff on his record or here or there, irrespective of color, race, gender, none of it matters. I would say uh, I, I negotiate a case where he's going to plead guilty to one count of robbery. They're going to drop the spec and he's doing five to eight years, roughly. Say, Now, on paper, it's going to look like the government dismissed a gun charge. In reality, there is a punishment that went along with it that was premised on the fact that there was a gun, because if there weren't a gun, it probably the whole thing would have been less. And here's the problem, is that the legislative body politically adds extra stuff like specifications. And I, I got, I'm working on a case right now, there was a gang-related specification and, you know, it added another three years to somebody's uh, offense. 
And I looked at it all, and it's the most convoluted, murky piece of nonsense I've ever read. Nonetheless, if I were on that, if I'm representing that person at the trial court level, and I'm not, it's on appeal, uh, and the prosecutor decided to dismiss it, it could look like, well, they're being soft on gangs. But it's only because there was a stupid specification that the General Assembly created that is almost impossible when it comes down to realistic enforcement. So I'm not saying exactly that's what's going on with guns, but I would need to know how cases resolved almost individually before I commented on whether people are soft on guns or not. It's sort of like the Katanji, Katanji Jackson, Brown Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like her with the child pornography. I, I don't know if she went too far. I don't know if she was too lenient. I don't know until I looked at the individual cases. I would need to know. And it matters because I do believe, you know, this is this is where I push back on a lot of um, of sort of the hardcore tough on crime people. It's like, you know, everybody's tough on crime until it's their own son. And then they then they want to say, yeah, but what about the fact that he's blah, 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 blah. And you get a lawyer and you go and you negotiate or you push or you do whatever. And, and maybe it ends up less for that person for good reason. And the judge goes along with it for good reason. Because you can't treat everybody the same. That is the reality in our world because everybody's different. And ultimately, this is where we have to be careful. Now, I agree that we're going to see an increase in gun crime, but it'll be like regulatory nonsense. And here's the other fear I have, Norm, with this new ghost gun thing. You're going to start seeing grand jury subpoenas to manufacturers of these items, and they're going to want information about those who purchase them. All right? So think about that. Norm, I send you a subpoena, and you have to tell me every single person who bought a brake part from you. Mm-hmm. Not only that, their phone number, their address, their customer number, their IP address, everything, because sure. they bought it online. Right. Then the government compiles that information and now has it. So you have to ask what the real purpose is, because, you know, quote, we have to do something. Banning ghost guns is not going to change one iota of the number of gun crimes they could committed. Not well, one. Well, I just, right. I just, uh, I just duck, duck, go, uh, gun crime, um, gun law enforcement. Everybody from the Rand Corporation to the John Locke Society to the NRA, it goes on and on about that we're not, regardless of whether. Their point of view is we need new gun laws or we or we don't. They're all saying on all sides that current gun laws are not being enforced. That's correct, right? Uh-huh. So you go, and also and also a, a statistic that people the Rand Corporation uh, study that I just saw said in the last thirty years the use of guns in crimes has dropped substantially. Yes, but what has taken the place of the newspapers uh, and, um, you know, the, the slow walk of media for things to develop and really um, be understood before it's reported is we have this instantaneous, um, you know, reflexive media that will take a local case that's not understood, and it, its context isn't clear yet, and it's instantly, like this subway thing, it's instantly transmitted on cable TV, it's, it's, it's on the internet, that's a new thing. And so people now think that crime is a much bigger problem than it actually is, number one. 
that guns are a bigger problem than they actually are, number two, and that, yes, there's been a spike in murders recently, and I think we can attribute that to some of uh, Obama and some of, uh, of um, Black Lives Matter rhetoric, but in general, uh, crime has been on a downward trend. Well, it's been on a downward trend since it's sort of apex in the 70s when we had all this same nonsense going on, right? So, so, so we're, we're reacting. We're, we're, we're reacting in a way that's a little bit um, illogical. We are attributing a cause, the existence of guns, to well, well, an outcome, crime, s- and saying that's, how, that's the reason. Well, Steve, just, just, I mean, my favorite example is the queue that you see in front of every elementary school in this city, in this county, in the surrounding counties, even in rural counties like out in Licking County where I live, where moms and dads are sitting there in their SUV with it idling for 45 minutes while they move up in the queue and get in the position to discharge their kids out of the out of the car in the morning to at school. And, you know, when you and I were kids, we walked, you know, we... we I guess now we would be called feral children because I would just be kicked out of the house. And it was, it, hey, Normie, if you come back in the house here on Saturday, if I see your ass back in this house, I'm going to give you the vacuum sweeper and the laundry and right, you the, plenty the to lawnmower. Do if you're right. bored. Right. 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 Otherwise, my mom's like, get the hell out of here and go play with your friends, do something healthy, play baseball, throw football, go flip rocks in the creek, go, go, Go do something outside, you know, get out there in the fresh air. Well, now now people, because of these guns, because of the image that they see on TV, they're certain their their kids are going to get raped. They're, they're certain their kids are going to get murdered. Yeah, because every third person is a pervert. You yeah, know? right. And, and, and you know the homes around you that, well, uh, that dude there lives as... Right. Is, is, Right, was convicted. Da, 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 you know, everybody's like, and they're all get, stalking around. Well, exactly. they're all going to get kidnapped because they, all of them. They saw the Elizabeth Smart case splashed all yeah. over cable TV, or this case, or that case, and well, they're convinced that ev- that the crime's everywhere. It's ubiquitous, right. and instead of letting their kid walk two blocks to the schoolhouse, they're they're starting the F- SUV up in their slippers and wearing their muumu and their rollers in their hair, and they're driving their kids yeah. to school. And, and just uh, you just wonder how, how, how freaked out, how paranoid is our whole society getting when you won't even let your kid walk to school? It's uh, well, it, yeah, ridiculous. It, this idea that the government can fix crime by implementing gun control is such a non sequitur, yet so accepted that I can't, it's hard to even argue against it. So, it, it, you know, we're going to, they're going to ban ghost guns. They're going to ban AR, they're going to do all this. Well, and, we're not dealing with rationality. We're not. That's the problem. We're not. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they're not going to, it's not going to change a thing. Not one thing. And I've, I've always, my argument against this stuff has always been the same. I will agree that if you could wave a magic wand and get rid of every gun on the planet, there wouldn't be any gun crime. I will not agree that there won't be some other kind of crime or some other kind of violence, or some other sure. whatever it is. And then you could say it's a matter of degree. Well, that will be less. All right, fine. But you're still back to that same impossible premise. You're not going to get rid of all the guns on the planet. Well, this guy had a hatchet on him. <laughs> That's right. So it's like I mean, so there's, well, there's mass... knife problems in England now, too. So right. it's like it's, it's, it's utter insanity to it's think. utter insanity. It is, it is complete insanity. And it's a result of bad policy. Look, enforce the damn law. We have every law in the books is, is there already. 
that gives the government the lever to stop this crap. Right. So, so you know what, yeah. you know what the big discussion is just to, just to move this, uh, just shift it sli- slightly, uh, our, our favorite, uh, topic, you know, hate crimes, uh, this kind of fits into that. The biggest topic on social media right now about this subway thing is yes, no, is this a terror crime? You know, and, and, and people are getting obsessed with whether or not the police, the FBI are investigating this as a, as a terror crime or whether it's just, I guess, quote unquote, a regular crime. And what difference does it make? I was going to say, well, how I does mean, it change anything other than what he'll be charged on possibly? But, but I mean, it's, you got 29 injured people, you got 10 of them who were shot and whether it was done out of hate or whether it was done out of just a lark, you know, like a guy just rolled out of bed in the morning and said, you know what? Hey, yeah, I'm a little bored. I think I'll go down the subway and pop off some people. And yeah. and he doesn't hate any of them. He's just doing it for kicks because he's a weirdo. So what fascinates me is that people want to debate whether it's terrorism or not instead of just, you know, let's find this guy. Let's prosecute him. You know, it's it's like the McVeigh thing. You know, whether it's a domestic instance of terrorism, that that's a nice essay piece. But at the end of the day, Tim McVeigh killed and his co-conspirator killed a lot of people. Yeah. So yeah. to call it terrorism doesn't change the act. No. It doesn't change the impact. It, it starts to put dots behind it of, well, who's behind it? Right. It's that's a, what they're trying to put out there, right? It becomes a political message at that right. point. Right. So I don't see. I'm one of these guys when I was in law school. I, I, I could care less about motive. Motive to me was interesting only as a way to prove that that particular individual committed that particular crime. Well, but but whether or not somebody did it because um, you yeah here's you know. here's the other side of that though you would want to know look if we here's the problem it's like we don't first define the terms now I'll get back to that in a second but you would want to know is this a terrorist act because in my head I'm thinking there are other similarly oriented terrorists out there with an eye. To do the same thing, and if it is if it is one of them, this is a means to let us know we need to be on guard for this and go investigate. Well, I think after they hit the Pentagon and the World Trade Center, I sure. think I think public so, infrastructure. Look, if this subway yeah. guy were a member of uh, Antifa, <laughs> for instance, mm-hmm. then I would want to know that because then I would want to go investigate Antifa. Well, if he was, we'll never know that. Well, I'll fine. tell you that now. If he were a member of some uh, right wing. Nazi fascist organization. I would want to know that well, too. Because Nazis, if they're, Nazis if they're, are left wing. Uh, yeah, they're going to call it a right wing. If, but I agree with you. Right, we can talk about that history. But call it a call it a, a right wing or I don't care any organization. Right, right. Let's take the politics a out hate of it. Organization. A hate, Let's say that. I, yes, that's the best way to put go. it. So if if somebody who commits a crime is a member of a hate organization and is doing so in furtherance of that organization, I want to know because that means there's more to come. Yeah. If you are just giving it a label. Well, I agree. I agree with you in terms of policing. Yes. Yeah, I agree with now, you. As far as the and crime, it's also interesting. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting in terms of what motivated people. That's fine. And uh, you bring in the criminal psychologists and go go through all, all of that. So and, and, now, that's, that's important to me. But when you start using the terrorist label willy-nilly. Or the hate label. Or the hate label mm-hmm. willy-nilly, right. it is of no investigative value. 
it doesn't change any of the outcome of what's happened or the will happen. The people who are injured are still injured. The and people it, who are dead are still dead. And it gives the news talking points to push against the other side. That's and all it is. And it's right. it stirs social media chatter up. Right. Yep. That's all it does. Now, we what, should let's yeah. clarify, because I did say this, and I'm glad you corrected me, because the fascists were not right-wing. They were left-wing. Everybody, Anybody who studied history knows this. It right. was just an offshoot of the communists. That's all this was. It was a different brand of communism, except it was called national socialism as opposed to just socialism. Right. The idea is that government commands everything, and uh, but it's still a socialist uh, out out push. And it was it was a guy named uh, Giovanni Gentile was the guy who schooled Mussolini on this stuff, and he was a Marxist student. So anyway, we can well, dig into the, that history the later. Well, the big the big battle for Hitler uh, in in the Weimar Republic days was not between Hitler and the establishment. It was between Hitler's Socialist Party, the Nazis, against the Red Communist Socialists in Germany. And they had massive street battles between yeah. the two socialist parties. Sure. They, were, they, weren't, they weren't fighting against uh, Ma and Pa, uh, you know, Wiener Schnitzel. They, <laughs> they, 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 weren't, they weren't fighting with the, the middle class. They weren't fighting with the elites. They were fighting amongst themselves as socialists, and the first people the brown shirts went after uh, were the communists that were controlled by Moscow in in Germany. That's who they had their big uh, battles with, and that's that's who they they were contending for which socialist group was going to come out on top and try to dominate the German political. Landscape, sure, and I guess just to take it a, a bit further in in the Soviet or in, at that point it was Russia. You had this competition for power between the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks. The Bolsheviks, who sort of advocated a a um, a violent takeover, we got to do it now. And the Mensheviks, who were like, no, we're going to infiltrate the labor unions and do so with legal means, and uh, we're going to uh, sure. it'll just happen naturally because that's what Karl Marx says will happen. And it turns out. The Bolsheviks won because they were the violent ones. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, yeah. So, so Stalin and, and then Lenin they put kill, kill, kill orders out they against killed everybody. Right. Against the other party. Yeah, they just killed everybody. So, mm. you know, that, that uh, we can dig into that history some other day. But so, how uh, about those astronauts? How would you like to be on the International Space Station? <laughs> We're in, not, this, we're in a space maybe a little bit larger than our studio. They are laughing. Norm, I cannot talk to you anymore. <laughs> they are laughing D- Dimitri, at the exactly. D- Dimitri, can, you know, hey, let's turn the, the mic off. We were playing chess yesterday, but we're not allowed to do that right. today. Right. right. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, Unbelievable. Bobby, you're not allowed to play with Billy wow, anymore. Exactly. Well, He's this, a Catholic uh, and you're a Jew. Wait. You can't play anymore. <laughs> what this really shows is uh, the, the, the terrible outcome of Obama's decision to ground the shuttle fleet, and we are 100% dependent on either SpaceX or the Russians now to get a U.S. Right. astronaut in this space. Yeah. But I think it's unbelievable. A, this is a jumping-off point for another sort of a, one of my esoteric dribble discussions, and that is this: that on the space station there are two different national groups, or maybe more. And they're just hanging out, right? They're doing their scientific testing. They're playing games, watching movies, doing whatever they do day in and day out, right? They're just, they're hanging out. And I'll bet you they have become friends. I will bet you that they have become uh, probably good friends. Uh, And none of this stuff would really matter. Now, 
in our current day and age with social media, with, with the way we've isolated ourselves with COVID with all this stuff, it's like, and I've said this a hundred times, it's like, we don't get to meet anybody on a personal level anymore. And that's why I love the round table here, because I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. If you come down here and have a discussion, it's usually pretty friendly. You know, you might argue about facts and, and whatever, and you could have a debate, even a heated one, but it's friendly. Now, if you take that, if you prevent that, and you just make it all this uh, isolated uh, collective identity of this or that or the other. So your your identity is white male and I'm a black female and now we're against each other. But if we sat down for Thanksgiving, we could probably have a good time talking about who won the Detroit game. You know, it's like it doesn't on a personal level, none of this BS matters. So I can just see these guys up at the space station saying, what a bunch of dumbasses. Like, exactly. I'm not allowed to talk to you. He says I'm not allowed to talk to you. Right, right. <laughs> right. Putin, Putin, what he a dumbass. He says I'm not allowed ass. to talk. Right, exactly. You can't talk to me. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's so stupid. It is. It is. You want to talk about that uh, mm. Court of Appeals decision? Yeah, uh, up at Oberlin. Yeah, um, that's that's fascinating. So my understanding, I'll, I'll get the facts. Uh, you know, I'm sure the details uh, are, are, are. I'm going to do a breakdown on this too, by the way. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sure the details, uh, you know, are not. Uh, I'm not going to be perfect here, but essentially three African-American students went into this bakery. Um, uh, they stole things and one of them assaulted, or uh, I don't know how many of, of the students, they were students at Oberlin. I don't know how many of them participated in the assault of one employee of the bakery. The bakery's called Gibson's. I guess it's been there for yeah. over <laughs> half a century. Yeah, a, a, so, a historic Landmark. So apparently um, what happened, they were charged by the police. They pled guilty. They played the three African-American students at Oberlin pled guilty in court to theft and to assault. So they admitted the charges and they pled guilty in court. The Oberlin newspaper a campus newspaper accused Gibson's uh, of racism in, in terms of uh, not welcoming in uh, students of, of African American heritage and uh, and following them around the store, I guess, or in some other way treating them differently than they would say a white uh, Oberlin student. And Gibson's uh, sued. Oberlin, because Oberlin, uh, you know, they oversee the student newspaper. They also put it out on the website and, you know, in other ways, but it was on, it was in the campus newspaper. And uh, the, uh, the lower court decision was upheld by the Court of Appeals, uh, $25 million to Gibson's Bakery uh, for defamation and $6.2 million for legal fees. Uh, so a total of a little over $31 million was upheld. And the last I read, Oberlin was weighing its options. I imagine that they're going to appeal. Uh, they're going to do something because that's a, a chunk of dough. But what it reminds me of is the Nick Sandman case in Covington Catholic where, you know, media, in this case a campus newspaper, in Sandman's case it was the networks and New York Times, um, you know, immediately and reflexively uh, accusing someone of being racist 
and then that person filing a defamation uh, cause of action. So, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't there. Don't know what happened other than what I'm reading in the uh, Court of Appeals decision and in the media. But uh, if Gibson's was defamed, I, I'm glad they I'm glad they got this award. Uh, if if those are the facts, and apparently they are. Well, it would be interesting to hear or read the story. Did they actually interview people that were haunted by the Gibson? employees or management or ownership that would be a perfect defense what, what happened yeah. what, if, if it did ha- it'd be interesting would, i gotta read that article you would That's think oberlin's lawyers would have thought of that yeah. and presented that evidence but rather apparently than just, rather than just hearsay <laughs> by the press that it's been said it's been said it's always been known here there's a couple things i mean first of all it, it, irrespective you're, you're right norm the kids were actually shoplifting or dining and dashing whatever it would be and i think that they had done it before so they they tried to stop it and, <clears throat> and uh the kids were ultimately prosecuted so then this sparks this debate and the kids the university kids uh start the protest and all this other nonsense and you're right there was something published in the paper but then you had uh, a staff member a professor i believe who got involved and started distributing pamphlets saying that this this bakery was racist, this bakery had a history of this, et cetera. Um, and, you know, because you would ask, how is, how is Oberlin responsible for what its students are doing? And it wasn't just that it was in their paper. It is that, a per, that the hook was a professor was actually participating, an employee on behalf of Oberlin mm. was acting in that capacity and disseminating material. And that put them on the hook. Now, they were sued for libel, slander, uh, maybe even inter- uh, tortious interference with con- or intentional interference with contractual rights, things like that, because the Gibsons went out of business. You know, they've been there for 50 years and they essentially their business dried up overnight as a result of what the university had said about them. And it was all false. Uh, so y- y- they go to court. And I think they're, I'm sure that Gibsons tried to settle and, and maybe even Oberlin tried to settle. Uh, but they go to court and the jury has, says enough's enough. We're going to give you twenty five million. So it goes to the Court of Appeals, and the Court of Appeals is going to decide, is it too much? I mean, I'm sure there's other legal issues they were deciding, like, was liability established? But really, they were saying, is this too much? And they said, no, it's not too much, and plus six mil for legal fees. And here's where I come in. Here's where I like to chime in, because people are like, six million for legal fees. But you have to you know, look, at, look at this for a second. This case has been going on since, let me look at the date. How long ago is this? Uh, 2018, 2019. So the lawyer's been working on this now for three years. Three, three or four years. years. And they didn't have to. So, and what I mean by that is because when when one of the parties acts in bad faith, in other words, won't settle or is taking a position that is untenable, you can end up with a legal fee award. And uh, because you shouldn't have had to do it, which um, was Oberlin, they pushed it down the, yeah. the court, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So if Oberlin settles this thing, they probably could have settled for a third of that or a half. Mm-hmm. Of, I don't know what the settlement demands were. We probably will never know. Um, then they wouldn't have had the legal fees. They wouldn't have had all this. But you have to understand, I think it's easy to say, well, $6 million is absorbent. That's too much. Well, I mean, how many how many man hours were spent prepping and working this case and trying the case and then having to go to the Court of Appeals? More than anybody can possibly think, right? It's not yeah. like, you know, it's a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of risk because the attorneys weren't getting paid, right? right. They were doing it on a contingency. They weren't getting paid. Um, and, uh, and imagine Gibson's, they can't go hire $500 an hour lawyers or $600 an hour lawyers, but Oberlin can, and look what they're up against. 
So I love these David and Goliath stories. I absolutely love them. Yeah. I love yeah. it when uh, there's a there's a series on um, I don't know if it's Amazon or Netflix, one of those. But Billy Bob Thornton is in it. I forget what it's called, but he's a, he's like this old washed out drunken lawyer who's a badass litigator, and he goes and takes on the big man. Kind of like the Paul Newman movie. Goliath. It's called yeah, <clears throat> like the verdict. It's like yeah, the verdict. Yeah, yeah. it's right. like the verdict. Yeah, but uh, that's what happened. I was going to do a breakdown on it, but the, you know the point is, is that Oberlin proved its case, or forgive me, Gibson's proved its case. Oberlin took a hard-line position on settlement, I imagine, and they got their asses handed to them. They got their clocks clicked. Well, and to Brett's point, if there had existed evidence of of past uh, prejudice by Gibsons, that would be a perfect defense. Uh, But but evidence is a defense to libel. Yeah, Yeah. but evidently. Either either those uh, those proofs didn't exist, or Oberlin's attorneys were unable to and, and their to, new, and to their, dredge them. And up. their news better newspaper better be taking a look at how they cover news. You well, I so I was because if they're reading brochures from a professor and well, then firing it up, it's like yeah. that's not yeah, when, that's when, not. When your was, employees start disseminating stuff on and acting under the course and scope of their employment. Yeah. Mm. So one of my one of my degrees was in journalism, and at the University of Cincinnati, I was uh, on the, um, I was on I was an editor, uh, one one of the editors for the student newspaper, the News Record, it was called, uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know if they still do a print version down there or not, but. At any rate, we were overseen by a journalism professor. There was an adult in the room, so to speak. We were so every issue, um, it, you know, was perfect. It was it was printed off campus by a contractor, but we were our our newspaper was overseen by a university employee, a journalism professor. Now, whether he did his diligence and read every issue before it went to press, I have no idea. Well, this is the Rob Muse discussion. It's like the Section 230 discussion. It's like when when you take editorial control and you disseminate information, now you're taking on some liability. Now, if you just have a posting board, a cork board, where people just say whatever, and everybody can say whatever they want to say, and right. you don't participate in any sort of censorship of that, then you don't bear the liability of, of slander and libel and those things. It's town so hall kind of right. this, yeah. is, uh, this is the university taking a position, exactly. and it was false. So and it I caused damage. I even in my role as uh, as uh, the the arts editor, you know, I'd go to uh, rock concerts and do a review. So I remember the David Lee Roth Van Halen incident where I wrote an article. So I actually taped uh, so I could remember the order of the songs. A little handheld micro cassette, you know, recorder, so I could then, you know, in my article report, you know, what what they what they did uh, in the concert. And of course, uh, the um, that was a famous uh, concert because it followed hard on the heels uh, by the Who tragedy down in Cincinnati, where there were, I think, six people crushed to death uh, because they used um, uh, they used non-reserved seating. So it was first come, first serve. They opened the doors. There's a big rush of fifty thousand people or thirty thousand, whatever yeah. the arena held, uh, and six people were crushed to death. Uh, before the Who concert even Who's started, dumb idea was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, it, it's yeah. this ridiculous idea not to assign yeah. seats. So yeah. whether you arrive ten minutes before the concert or or an hour ahead of time, we, well, we you got know, your seat. Yeah. it just shows you. 
like I know I'm going to shift and change the direction. Well, but it just well all I was going to say is I wrote then. So David Lee Roth, you know, uh, they were he, he was his con- the Van Halen concert was the first one after that tragedy. Mm. Cincinnati didn't have any concerts for about a year. They bring in Van Halen and he's a mischievous person, of course. And, uh, you know, he said something that they thought amounted to telling everybody to, uh, you know, flick on their lighters and, and basically disobey the, uh, sure, break the, the, rules. the fire code. Right. Well, my little tape recorder was used by his attorney. I was the only person who recorded the concert. Oh, wow. They didn't have a board recording of that? No, apparently not. Wow. So, so my little micro well, cassette. they it didn't went, have one, quote, unquote. <laughs> so it, it was used to establish what he actually said as opposed to what the fire chief thought oh, he said. Well, that's interesting. So my journalism professor really, you know, in, uh, my review of the concert included, you know, some criminal, some criminal reporting, and the journalism professor really enjoyed that. But the point was that there was – uh, university oversight of the campus paper. Uh, now that's a that's a state university, University of Cincinnati. Oberlin's private. I don't know how it works there. Yeah, well, I mean, private. That's why they got sued privately, and yeah. you know, and so they'd be, the they would be like Xavier or Kenyon College. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I'm going to jump off there, and and, and you, you made me think of something, is because this this idea that we can we can do whatever we want to do, like we we like everybody should have the same opportunity to get to the same seat, um, is a is a real good metaphor for what results when you don't have boundaries on on behavior like you have to have a hierarchy sure. you have to right because if you don't it's chaos well and they're all smoking and drinking so sure. you, you got people you know they're they're huffing and smoking well you make more money norm so it's not fair that you get to sit in the front row and i don't so we're just gonna let yeah. everybody in and give everybody right. an equal opportunity right. well then yeah. it killed 12 people i think yeah. it was 12 was yeah. it okay yeah. well and it's interesting because now if you think about it those those coveted front three four five rows yeah they go for thousands of dollars right now. how yeah. did we miss that opportunity back in the 70s <laughs> yeah. that you yeah. say you can pay you know 500 bucks to see van halen yeah. front row but these, it's just amazing but it, these, you know, like you didn't think about that at the time yeah. but these artists have often taken a position that they don't agree with that they don't agree with this capitalist approach at selling their tickets oh, that's and the only way they make money those concerts uh, well, of course that's right well, and merchandise yeah that's and, and they yeah. um it, so they like I know Pearl Jam has done this where they're they're going to control the ticket price and all yeah, this stuff yeah. and, and look I'm all for it. But yeah, it's their show. It's their kid, show. They can kid do what Rock they want. does that too. Yeah, yeah. And, but you have to have some order to it. You can't just say everybody do whatever you want because people run around right. crazy and there is no order to it. Yeah, and uh, people end up it ends up worse. It ends up that nobody gets to see the show. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like letting people pour over the border, or for you, instance. you shut down concerts for a year. <laughs> or you, you know, shut right. down yeah. concerts for yeah, a year. Yeah, there's, right. a, there's a great WKRP episode tributing that concert. Oh, I'd have to, I'm going to check It's really good. Yeah. yeah, it's, it. you know, KRP in Cincinnati did a lot of deep soul-searching controversial topics. And that was your that, that was your radio era, oh, too, I wasn't love, it? That's what got me into radio was that show. Yeah. I love yeah. that show. But they, they covered a lot, you know, the, 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 the payola. They did a lot of payola stuff. They did that, you know, the the the, um, the Who concert covered that. It's a really good tribute to that concert and, and to Cincinnati. It's really good. And they dropped turkeys. From, and they dropped turkeys from exactly. Yeah, so there there was a just to wrap this up. There was a guy who wrote a book. Cannot think of his last name. I think his name was Fuller, John Fuller maybe. Anyway, he wrote a book called The Kids Are All Right, 
and uh, it was about the Who concert. Good Who album. And uh, he, uh, I got paid for that uh, for uh, my uh, article. Did you really? It, nice. Yeah. So I'm I'm in the I'm you I'm I was one of the sources. I'm in the you know. Do you get like what in deck? A couple thousand a month royalties. It was like five hundred bucks, and for a for a college student, that would blew me away. You get nice. five hundred. Oh yeah, I you bet. bet. I mean, that's back in the eighties, right? So I'm like wow. five hundred bucks. You get noted awesome. in a book. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of cool, a, right? Yeah. So well, you know, naturally, he wanted a transcript of what was on that nice. micro cassette. Let's. Uh, we got about ten more minutes. Let's just tick off the. Uh, I forget what I was calling him. I was calling him Norm's Nuggets, maybe. <laughs> well. Um, I, we didn't we didn't talk yet about Disney, and I th- I think it's important. Uh, we got to talk about Disney real quick. Because I would, you know, Disney owns more than what people think. Mm-hmm. They own ESPN. Yep. They own ABC. Uh, the the uh, Disney Empire is is now doing these mini Disney theme parks in hey Islamic countries where being homosexual is a felony. You can get killed. You can get killed. You can get tossed. Right. You can, you know, so it, the hypocrisy is what you're pointing out. There's something deeply wrong about, about, you know, special people in Florida telling the vast majority of parents, and I'm including Democrat households who overwhelmingly agree that nobody should be talking about the birds and the bees except the parents with somebody who's a kindergartner it's it's sick through like seven years old it's sick i mean oh uh, you know like i i don't think seven is good enough i think it's it, it, well no but i mean it's we're talking k through fourth I mean, grade look, for god's sake like anything i try to do here i try to turn it around yeah. what if i as a straight male wanted to educate your child on sexual conduct well that's what and they're how to saying. engage in sexual conduct yeah Heterosexually, this isn't in gay, this isn't gay you would sex. Say, no way. Well, well dude, yeah. it does. This so the DeSantis legislation. And it doesn't say don't say gay, right? It no, does, no, says nothing it, like that. It it covers your straight male, of course, right? It covers all it, of it. It's 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 any sex education. It covers it. it, it it's preventing. And you know, I, I will say by, this by the school. It doesn't mean that the parents the parents can say whatever they want. They. Look, well, if, that's if you want to raise belongs. your kid gay, raise him gay. You want to raise your kid straight, raise him straight. You want to raise your kid as a man or a woman, do whatever the hell you want in your home. But the school can't do it. I mean, it this, cannot do it. And ridiculous. I heard this whiny ass school teacher saying, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to tell my kindergarten, my kindergarten kids, talking about his students, yeah. about what I did with my, I don't know if it was a man or a woman, but the, my gay mate right. over the weekend and uh, the activities that we engage in, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't Why give a shit, man. are you? Like, I don't get this. Well, there's a way for him to say, hey, me and my friend Bob went to the zoo and we saw some really cool tigers. So you don't have to tell the kids. I never me- talked to my kindergarten teacher about what they did on the weekend. No. Well, well, no. I don't actually remember it. Right. But-, but, but if a kindergarten teacher wants to go in and say, Hey, my family and I went to sure, the zoo. There's plenty of ways to do that. There's right. plenty of ways without saying, by the way, we engage in anal sex. I think that I, I mean, had, on, I think know. one of the teachers in my, look, let's just say this. If I think one of the teachers in my grade school was gay, looking back on it, yeah. and nobody cared. It wasn't even brought up. It wasn't no. an issue. It was nothing. No. It was a complete nothing. Kind of like Liberace going on the Johnny Carson show, right? They never talked about him being gay. 
it wasn't a topic. It was considered your private life. Yeah. Now, it if was the school, respected. if the law said you're never allowed to talk about homosexual sex, but you can talk about heterosexual sex, I would have a problem with that, too. You should not be able to talk about any sex with with right. with uh, grade schoolers. Right. And I got a problem with sex ed anyway. But, it, you know, beyond that, we're talking about young, we're talking about eight-year-olds. So let me tell you what they did at my school. So eighth grade was when uh, they brought in not only a, a psychologist, but they brought in a, uh, a biology uh, teacher from high school. And this was at a Catholic grade school. And they just presented the physical process of how reproduction works. Reproduction works. Sure. Okay. We didn't get into, you know, of course there was, you know, people are laughing and tittering and whatever. Your typical immature bullshit, you know, amongst the kids. Norma's throwing spitballs at the girl across the road. Whatever. You know, wow, she has one of those. So, uh, you know, we're, you know, at any rate, it, 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 it all was very clinical, so to speak. Yeah. It was educational. It wasn't to persuade us to do that. It wasn't to yeah. encourage us, you know. It, 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 Look, I'm perfectly capable of teaching my kid how not to have babies and how to make babies, yeah. and and I don't need a kindergarten teacher doing it. Right, right, and, and that's all the law well, says. Yeah, and and it and to that point of bringing in what the biology is of our bodies, I think that's important to know. Absolutely. Why why is Johnny stink? That's too. Sure. Why is he stink now? It's like oh, yeah. he's going through the puberty discussion. The puberty right? discussion that was, because that makes sense to understand sure. what we're going through, so it doesn't scare the shit out of you when you're like. But Whoa, I, I got that, hair growing down I mean, here now. I've had what that conversation hell? with you my know? kids. Like, you got stuff going on down there yet, buddy? You yeah, know? Yeah. It's like, what's happening down there? Yeah, right. You know? And they get um, all embarrassed by it. But, you know, the, the idea is like, this, well, we all, they're we, not parents. We all remember the girls, you know, in seventh or eighth grade would have a little accident. There'd be a little blood under their desk sure, or something right. like that. And they'd run out of the classroom and all that. Right. And, and then so she would turn into a witch and start uh, killing people using her, <laughs> right. own, her powers. Yeah. And, well, that usually happens I mean, that when they're 45. <laughs> that was Carrie. Yeah. Never mind. 50. Yeah. All right. The right. Glenn Close movie right. where she pops up out of the bathtub. Yeah. I, I'll pass on that. <laughs> oh, no. I was thinking of Carrie. Now, Glenn Close is the. Uh, yeah. Michael uh, Douglas. Yeah. And, yeah fatal, fatal attraction. Fatal attraction. Yeah. yeah. Good movie. Yeah. Did, yeah. No, it did not like that. <laughs> yeah, it did not. Talk about a sex scene. That was like one of the first big. I, I don't want to say a big one, but that, that was like that that sex scene of them in the kitchen. Was it in the kitchen? Yeah. Well, that's been too long. Since well, that girlfriend who will not go away. I mean, that. Was, oh yeah, boiling yeah. rabbits. Yeah. Wow. See, I didn't. <laughs> I was looking at the sex, Norm. You're looking at the evil stuff. So <laughs> well, psychological stuff. If that's the price to pay. Uh, yeah, I want to know there, about. There's a lesson there, right? Yeah. There's a. There. Oh. Yeah. That that five minutes of kitchen sex wasn't worth it. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> So, yeah, okay, so the, the Disney thing uh, is incredible. In, in, in some of the countries where Disney is expanding to, let me read the list, Algeria, Egypt, Libya, Morocco, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Tunisia, Yemen, and Palestine are going to have many Disneys. Now, how are they going? <laughs> Do you think I any want... of those countries are going to let them play cartoons with gay people making out? No, dude. No, no it's chance. not. It's not going to happen. No chance. No. So Disney. See, this is what I don't get. I heard another commentator talking about this. I forget who it was, but brilliant comment. If I ran a, a major corporation and any number of political action groups or 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 complaint groups or 
pro this or anti that groups, whether it's the NRA or now or or whoever it is, Antifa, BLM, right, left, Democrat, Republican, I would not take a position. I'd be like McDonald's. I don't think McDonald's has ever taken a position on on very much. I would be like them and I Switzerland. would Switzerland. <laughs> I would be yes. Yeah. I would be basically like you know, I run a trucking company or I run a restaurant or I run, you know, a tuna canning company. We are not going to take a position yeah, but they on are. every social issue just because you're pressuring us. We're here to serve everybody. We have no opinion about these social issues other than we're pro-American. Okay? We're pro-everybody. And I don't understand why Disney or anybody else would immediately offend and alienate half the population. But it's they are. stupid business. It's, it's so, so many people will now not be going to Disney. So here's what's going to happen. It's unbelievable this is what like they the, did to themselves. We're just going to take this right back to where we started with California. You're going to start seeing backlash. You're going to start seeing an alternative market. You're going to start seeing others. Well, did you hear Dollywood reservations are through the roof? Uh, yeah. Because people are looking for a wholesome environment to take their kids you don't want to be indoctrinated on gayness straightness or any sexual orientation when no. you go to disney you want to see mickey mouse with your toddler and then say look and at ride, that and ride, ride a roller coaster and, and, and for go God to space sakes. mountain yeah, yeah and talk s- about how that movie was awesome when you were a kid i mean that's all you want to do right. you don't want this nonsense right. they're charging you an arm and a leg for an experience that should be uh platonic Right. right. And yeah, so, basically, yeah. So yeah, I'll bet yeah. the stock for for Six Flags and uh, Dolly World just went up. Probably. Probably so, so. But the point is you're going to see emerging markets that are going to start competing with Disney. These these companies, I like to think that there is a, a market force end to it that eventually uh, they can't it can't sustain. Um, well, they, look what it, Disney's done to the sports world because ESPN controls sports, basically. I mean, I mean they, they have kind of ruined, you, you know, like – even their woke commentators uh, are, are really hamstrung in on, in terms of what they can say on ESPN. Anymore. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's the most polit. It's the most um, landmine filled uh, field you could ever walk into. It's to, it, you know, whether it was uh, Kaepernick and the kneeling thing or or whatever you. You, you just know what keep, we need. You can't talk on ESPN you know what, So you know what we need? We need like this alternative media platform <laughs> where people can come in and 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 give real truthful commentary about what they're seeing, what they think, and give their opinions and not be censored by people like Disney and just uh, supply information as they see fit and have a completely free speech experience. Man, I wonder if there is such a platform like that. <laughs> right. Wait a minute. We have one right here. At five eleven. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, because who was it? I guess Gil Brandt apologized for insensitive Dwayne Haskins comments. I saw he, what he posted, and it wasn't that. It, look, I, I, I so the back. It's a tragic, tragic yeah. scenario. So, but I saw what he posted. And it was just like he was a struggling quarterback in the NFL, and he's dead. I mean, it, it, it was. It, was it insensitive? I don't know, but it was factual. somebody. It must have been. Yeah, it was factual. It's like. It's a tragic. You can't tell me that he didn't. He wasn't sad about it. Like he didn't mean it that way. And it was obvious he didn't mean about it that way. But we don't care anymore. It's like you're canceled. Well, I apologize. Well, think of our yeah. great sportscasters that we had in the past, like Howard Cosell. Could, yeah. He could. He couldn't spend <laughs> two minutes on ESPN. They would fire him. Yeah. Oh, he for could, sure. Oh, yeah. And and look at him. 
he was Ali's good friend and and like made they made each other's careers sure. oh yeah like Cosell an old codger Jewish man and but he Ali was straight straight talker an Ali a uh, he put it out there a he, black Muslim you know uh, activist sure and they were they were linked at the hip. I mean they they were fr- friends they loved each other I mean really it's it's back to that personal but they, interaction. They talked tough, and they they went they after talk, each other. They, there was it was unvarnished. There was like it was awesome. Go yeah, watch was, some of those was, clips. Those yeah. guys going back and forth. See, and and what ESPN? I mean, if they had any brains at all, they would have people like that that would ask Kaepernick the tough questions. Like yes, like dude, do you think you're good enough, dude, dude? Cops shoot way more white people than black people. The whole, the entire premise of hands up, don't shoot is all crap. And a real journalist, a real a fact. What are your stats? What are your what's your day? I wouldn't even go there with them. The first thing I would ask is, do you think you're fired, or you, you think even, you were cut because you were black, or were well, you, you good enough? You don't even know what you're. This whole Make it ne- about sports, but this yeah. whole kneeling thing. Uh, it's just it's, 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 it was all crap it was based on crap it was all just you anyway. got millionaires out there right millionaires out there on the nba court with things on their socks or little sashes on their sleeve or whatever the, the, these nfl helmets you know don't hate no, who hates Right. Since so when is since when is the NFL an anti-black? What Kaepernick called it? What uh, plantation? It's slavery. Yeah, it's and slavery, now he's begging for a job. Paying, except you're getting paid millions. So to he's do begging it. to be a slave again. That's what he's current. He's trying out. That's what I heard. Yeah, he's trying out to be a backup quarterback right. after saying that it was slavery. So now he's begging to be a slave. Who's going to ask him these questions on ESPN? Nobody, because it's a monolithic left-wing organization now all right well with that we got to wrap it up i will say this though if anybody 511 could use a good sports show you know we need it we need yeah, a sports show here I somebody's agree. got an idea for a good like if you're a sports i'm putting it out there at right now for the first great. time anybody who thinks they got the chops to come in here and do a sports show right uh do your own podcast cover the cover the sports norm style cover cover men competing as because they woke up and said i think i'm a woman Okay. Cover sports, man. Cover, cover that guy. Cover breaking it. all the records in the swim pool. We're looking for the next Howard Cosell. We're going to launch you right here at <laughs> channel511.com. Send us an email. We'll get you plugged in with That's uh, what Brett. we're doing. And that's <laughs> what we're doing. All right. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. This has been another riveting roundtable episode and uh, a couple of the quick housekeeping matters I always cover. You know, we do have a Patreon account. That means you can come support us. You can give us just a buck a month, but 10 would be better. Uh, no big deal. I mean, what is $10 on your credit card? You're paying that in interest anyway, probably. So just uh, add another 10 and, uh, and be a Patreon. Support the cause. Make sure Norm still has a place to come and tell us his wisdom. <laughs> and share it with the world. Uh, if you got a question for the Q&A series, no big deal. Just go to lawyertalkpodcast.com. And we've got it all separated out. Dan's finally got that website uh, cooking. Uh, it's easy to navigate, easy to understand. If you want to see an episode of the Q&A, you just go right to that section. You want to see a round or listen to a roundtable, you go to that section. You want to break down, go to that section, and we'll break it down. And by the way, the breakdown series, I like to make things simple and almost everything can be made simple. That's my motto. So with that, we're going to wrap up another roundtable episode of Lawyer Talk off the record on the air until 